it's true, you know, that it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that breaks the yoke. <clears throat> That's what it says in Isaiah. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. Now, what does it mean by break? In some versions, it says shatters the yoke. But if you look at the root of that word and you, you do the whole Bible study about it, it talks about utterly destroying that yoke. It talks about so breaking and, and, and destroying that yoke that it could never, ever be a yoke again. And that's the type of transformation the anointing of God desires to function in our lives, to bring us to such a place that the things that God delivers us from, we never struggle with it again. That God is so moved in your heart and life that we are made whole. The things that we, that clung to us, that put us in bondage, that wrapped that chain around us, can never wrap us again. In fact, from that platform, we now can use our testimony to bring that same deliverance towards others. Sometimes that's one of the reasons why we face things. Not all the time, but one of the things that God definitely desires to do is not that he brings affliction in our life, but he does want to redeem the challenges that we face, not just for us, but to benefit the people around us. And the transformation that God does in you, he desires to bring transformation to others. It's not just for us. It's because God has a heart for those who are far from him. His lost sons and daughters that he desires to bring back into the family of God. The same transformation that God does in you. That's why it says this. It says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the power of their testimony. There is power in your testimony. Just looking at uh, you this morning, I know God has done some amazing things in your life. And there is power in that testimony. Don't ever be shy to share about the good things that God is doing in your life. You might be discouraged because you're still believing for God to do that great work in your heart and you're still praying. We're going to work on that today a little bit deeper. But I want to encourage you today that there is great power in your testimony, not just in the sense of what it's done in your life, but what it has the potential to do in the lives of others. You know, um, I've been at the church now for uh, about three and a half months, and my family and I are so, so in love with you guys. We're so... We have such a sense of being welcomed and loved and appreciated. And I just want to say thank you for welcoming us, for your testimony of what God has done in your life. And a lot of people have said that they were blessed when I got to share part of my story. And that's what it's all about, mutual edification. We can 
share what God is doing in each of us, and each of us can be blessed. Amen? So I look forward to hearing some more of your stories soon. And we have just been so blessed to be part of this church and to join the pastoral staff and the board in just believing God for great things in the days ahead. Have you been enjoying this series so far? How's your new year going? Good. We're leading a better life. You know, let me read a few scriptures before I get too far ahead, then we'll pray again, and then we'll get into it. Amen? Okay. Two uh, passages this morning. The first one is in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16. It's going to be on the screen. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. He rises again. But the wicked are brought down by calamity. Though the righteous men and women fall seven times, they rise again. Next passage is Lamentations chapter 3, verses 32, sorry, verses 22 to 24. Now, if you've ever read Lamentations, it's not the most encouraging book in the world. Um, it's written by Jeremiah. He's known as the weeping prophet. And you read chapter after chapter of discouragement, of pain, of heartache. And then finally in chapter 3, it says this, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. We should make a song about that. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Can we pray one more time? Father, this morning, we thank you for your anointing that is present here. The anointing that resides in your holy word. We ask, Lord, that as we take time to reflect, that your anointing would move in our lives and your transforming power would shape us this morning. I pray in particular for those who are discouraged, those who have fall in seven times, Lord, that your mercies would be new this morning to them, that the mercies and the grace of God and the steadfast love of God would be the only thing that they see this morning, that they would know your grace is sufficient for them, in Jesus' name, amen. As I mentioned, New Year's are kind of mixed because they're like a fresh start. Uh, they can be a fresh start. Um, that's why I like them. It's an opportunity to sort of wipe the slate clean. It's a time to set goals for many. It's a time to uh, do what a lot of people call make resolutions. Okay, And I was thinking over the past couple of weeks, you know, what is a resolution? Does anyone make New Year's resolutions? Oh, is that still a thing? No, we've given up on that. Set goals. Anybody set goals? Do you wait till the New Year to set goals? 
okay? Or do you do it back in October? How many have some goals around weight loss this year? Amen? And how many goals around finances? Those are the big two, finances and weight loss. I'm, I'm on a new diet. New technology is out, folks. There is a new diet. Studies have shown it's called the eat less diet, okay? And dropped 12 pounds so far, doing good. We're going to get there. And I know many of you have embarked on similar juries. We're going to get there together, amen? How many of you have a goal about relationships? Nobody? Okay, good. Everyone's great. Listen, I'm talking to the three people in the back who are hurting this morning, and the rest of you can be praying for us. But it's a mixed bag because sometimes we, we, we come to a place with resolutions where it doesn't work out for whatever reason. There's something that happens in our life, and we, we, we don't accomplish the goal that we set out to achieve. It doesn't work out the way we pictured in our minds, and, and it just something happens, it veers us off track, and we're kind of back at square one. And that can be discouraging. It can be discouraging to the point that we just say, you know what? You can't fail if you don't make any resolutions, right? And we, we, we've, we've got this idea around failure that it's so dreadful to fail, to set out to do something and not make it, that we'd rather not set any goals at all. Is anybody here this morning? Don't leave me up here at church. Okay, I want to just skip ahead a bit. This series... Pastor Jeff has mentioned several different themes, and one of the things that he has mentioned a couple times is the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge and wisdom. And thinking on this, there's probably a lot of ways we could go about defining that. Um, But I just said that wisdom is the ability to put into practice what you know. Wisdom is the ability to put into practice what we know. Church, I could tell you a lot about healthy eating, but practicing it is a whole nother matter. I can tell you a lot about finance and strategy and all that. I'm a student of many subjects, but keeping a budget is where wisdom either shows up or not. And it takes that commitment, things we commit to, that is the difference maker of whether or not we're walking in wisdom. Amen? Now, that in itself is not encouraging because it doesn't seem to help us over the hump. And I don't know about you, but I just want to be a bit transparent this morning, but sometimes even church can be discouraging. I'll tell you why. Because it seems like every week there's a new list of things that I'm not doing. I can tell you as a preacher, it's never intended to come across that way. It's not intended that we bring you here every week and that we load you up with another list of stuff that you're probably not going to do and another three points, and you don't remember what the last three points were. And then we just go in this cycle of, I'm not getting it done. We just go into this habit of hearing but never applying of learning, 
but never coming to a knowledge. And that's hard. And that's why I'm so thankful. The emphasis here is that we're not called to do it alone, but with God's help and with the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the big obstacles that we face, there's many, but the one that I really want to hammer on today is the idea around failure and how we face failure. When we fail or when someone fails us, we can be offended or the challenge then becomes our ability to forgive. Sometimes the most difficult person to forgive is ourselves. Failure is what saps our hope and ambition. Failure is what can be discouraging. It can be the obstacle that we cannot overcome. Has anybody failed? Let me just come down here a bit because I'm going to point a few of you out. You're going to talk about your failure. Let me be open and honest with you. I feel like a failure all the time. I feel like a failure in my devotion towards God. I feel like a failure in my marriage towards how much I know my wife sacrifices for me. I feel like a failure as a father. There's no instructions here. For some reason, when I get in the shower, it's a little personal, the enemy has a way of putting in my mind all the ways I've messed up. Don't listen to that voice. A lot of them are embarrassing moments that I won't share with you, but I've been a goofball for a number of things. And I'm sure you have too. Is there anybody here that can identify with failure? Is anybody hurting because of something that they failed in or a way in which they failed? We have a few biblical models that we can look to for encouragement. I think what I really want to get across to you today the Lord knows about every failure. I want to tell you today that the Lord doesn't judge you, that His desire is for you to move past your failures because He has already forgiven you. And that Jesus stands in the Spirit before you with arms open, 
And if Jesus was here right now, he wouldn't even say anything to you. He would just hug you. I can say that because I know going into prayer and meeting the Holy Spirit and Jesus showing up in dreams to me and just wrapping his arms around me. And I know a lot of you know what I'm talking about. The Lord has forgiven you. The Lord has given you a new identity. You are more than the sum of your failures. You are more valuable to God and to the kingdom of God than anything you could have failed in. His grace is sufficient. Let's look at Scripture. Three brief accounts. We'll just look at quickly because I know you know the stories. Peter. He's a headstrong guy. He's... He's always putting his foot in his mouth. We know Peter. He's the, I will live for you and I will die for you, Lord. The leader of the apostles. And yet he comes before a campfire. And when he's challenged to confess Jesus, cowers, and he fails. Sometimes I've, I've felt like, like, like Peter. And I walk away from situations like that saying, I, I don't even know why I, I did or didn't do what I did or didn't do. I don't even understand myself sometimes. And I, I, I just, my heart goes out to Peter because I, I kind of know what that's like. And I, I, I just believe that after that happened, he was just so weighed down with guilt and grief that he believed he couldn't do what God had called him to do anymore. So he did the only thing he could do. He went back fishing. And maybe some of you today, quote-unquote, have gone back fishing when God has called you to put that failure aside and move forward in his calling. Jesus comes to Peter on the beach and he restores him. And he calls him and he affirms him and he gives him place and he establishes his ministry to go and to lead the church and to feed his sheep. That's the type of grace we have from our Savior. He knows our condition. He knows we are but dust. He knows that we're weak. The Spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. And we live with that conflict all the time. Second example is Paul. Before Paul was Paul, he was Saul. His story is quite different than Peter's. He says of himself that he was a blasphemer, that he 
was working hard to be the enemy of the church and to put them in jail and to do all these things. He even had some people killed. You could say that Paul was a murderer. That he was self-righteous. And yet he says about himself that I, that God told me that his grace was sufficient for him. The third example is what Pastor just talked about was the prodigal son. Here is a son who squanders everything the father has given him. Who wastes his time, his talent, and his treasure. Who casts off the the love and direction of his father and says, I'm going to do it my way. And when he finally comes to his senses, the father runs to him and embraces him, wraps him in a new robe, puts a ring of authority on his hand, and restores his place without question. The unfathomable love of God is cause for our rejoicing. That's my story. I was lost and now I'm found. His grace is enough. I want to talk to you about His all-surpassing grace. There are some practical points and then we're going to be done, okay? I just want to look at a little bit of the practical side as well. Because walking with God is not just wishful thinking. It's, we're called to obedience. We're called to walk in His ways, to, to, to follow His precepts and His principles. Why? Because God wants to restrict us? No, because God wants an abundant life for us. Discipline is freedom. So what separates those people who can take their resolutions and can see them come to pass versus those who maybe have a different result? I'm not going to cover everything, but we'll just talk about some high-level points, okay? The first one is a touchy one, okay? Can you just elbow your neighbor and say, this is for you, not for me? Turn to your other neighbor and say, stop making excuses. About a third of you did it. Stop making excuses. And you're like, whoa, okay, I've tuned out now. I can't take any more. You just cut off my whole game. Can you stay with me? If you can, say I. Radical responsibility. Radical responsibility. Do you know that I'm preaching this morning? 
It's my responsibility to be here and to prayerfully teach from God's word. But do you know whose else responsibility it is? Pastor Jeff. He's responsible for what happens from this pulpit. He's not doing this. If I mess up, he didn't do the action, but he's responsible for what happens. I may not do the actions my kids do, but I'm responsible for what happens. Parents understand this very easily. Radical responsibility. There's a great book. It's by a Navy SEAL uh, former trainer. His name is Jocko Willink. It's called Extreme Ownership. And what he talks about there is the ability to take responsibility for what's happening. As long as we avoid responsibility for what happens in our lives, we can expect to change. Because it's not our fault. It's out of our control. I don't know about you, but I want my life to be governed by the power of the Holy Spirit. It can't be governed by the power of the Holy Spirit if we're giving away our power to someone else by saying it's their fault. Hear what I'm saying. It might be their fault. You might be justified in your excuse. But if you want to see change, one of the things we got to do is take responsibility even for things that are not done by us. Radical responsibility, extreme ownership. There's a great song by this band called The Roots. And uh, guy starts off by saying it's called Champion. And it's a great workout song if you're going to the gym. He says, success in life comes when you simply refuse to give up on a mission so strong that obstacles like failure and loss only act as motivation. I mean like no one has the power to shatter your dreams unless you give it to them. One of the main sacrifices in the Old Testament it was for reparation. It's kind of a weird word. But reparation requires honesty and it requires responsibility for being the offending party. There was five main sacrifices in the book of Leviticus. That's your favorite book? Favorite book is Leviticus? <clears throat> okay. Um, uh, let me give you a crash lesson, okay? There's a procedural order of these five sacrifices, okay? And um, maybe you could say them with me once I tell you. There's reparation purification, burnt grain peace, okay? Five sacrifices. And, and there's all kinds of ceremonial stuff that has to happen with those sacrifices. And let me tell you, I was reading the Old Testament, um, and I, I would start on this journey of, of studying the book of Leviticus, and uh, I was reading through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and I'd get to Leviticus, and I was really hard-pressed to know why this is in the Bible. What, what's going on here, God? You have 66 books of this 
love letter that you're giving to humanity, and one of those books is Leviticus. I said, wow, this is some really woody, boring stuff in here. It's a challenge. And I was like, God, why is this here? Take a bull, and he's got to be a good-conditioned bull, and you take him to the altar, and you do this, and you spread the blood, and da-da-da-da-da, and all and on and on, and repeats and repeats and repeats until you take the Bible and you're hitting yourself on the head. It, it's so monotonous. And so I'm praying and asking God, Lord, why? Why is this? Do you want to know why this is in the Bible? Okay. I don't know all the reasons. But I will say that what I, I received in prayer that day was how arduous and how monotonous and how difficult it is to maintain a relationship with God through all those sacrifices. Jesus has conquered that and accomplished it for all of us so that we don't have to do that anymore. He has made a way. He has been our reparation. He has been our purification. He has been our burnt offering, our grain offering. And he is our shalamim, our peace. So the first one is reparation. And that's why it says, Jesus says in the New Testament, before you bring your, altar, you bring your sacrifice to the altar, go and make peace. If you've got something you're holding on to, Go take care of it. Then come back and offer your sacrifice. Church, this is good stuff. Are you holding on to something today? Unforgiveness. Even if it's yourself. Would you just take a moment? Father, right now, we call to mind any unforgiveness in this church. And we ask, Lord, that you would make reparation by your blood. We forgive, Lord. Say, I forgive. Say it louder. I forgive all those who have sinned against me. I forgive myself. We've got to do that a lot. It's got to become a practice. We make reparation because we are the offending party. We have to be honest with ourselves. After we're honest with ourselves, we make reparation and we stop making excuses. The next thing of practical excuse me, a practical nature is decide. You're like is that that's it? Decide. Uh, this, none of this is revolutionary church. This is just a rem, by way of reminder in life we reap what we sow. That means we get in life what we tolerate. The fruit of our actions or inactions. If we are a certain health condition, it's because we've tolerated maybe living a lifestyle that allows for that condition to begin. Think about it. Maybe if you don't agree with me, think about it. Let me talk to you about repentance. Repentance is a change of heart or a change of mind. We have to decide to follow God. 
This is fundamentally about commitment and what we commit to. It says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Repentance is very simple. We make it so complicated, okay? It's a change of mind. It's a change of heart. We're moving in one direction. We're walking in our own strength and we turn back to God. We focus on what God is calling us to do and be. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Doesn't mean we've arrived or we've made it. It just means that this is an act of obedience to turn to God. Is there something that that God is calling you to turn from? Maybe you need to just stop being so distracted with social media, all the young people and the old people. Did you know, I heard this from a preacher a few months back, that on the iPhone there's a secret feature. Did you see that? You hold this button on here, and you just hold it, and then look. It's a hidden feature on the iPhone. It turns it off. Isn't that awesome? You're getting some good stuff today. We need to not only decide, not only repent, but change how we see difficulty and understand that there's a practical nature to the challenges we face. Can you think of a difficulty or a challenge you're facing right now? What if I told you that this challenge or difficulty was in your life to help you grow, to help you expand, to help you learn? Because God has something greater for you. And we can't walk until that greater life until we are that greater person. And so God wants that for us. So he brings different obstacles and learning experiences to show us what we need to to do and be to, to take it to the next level. Amen? Imagine the difficulties you're facing right now. The challenges you're facing right now is simply there to cause you to stretch and grow. Does that change how we see difficulty and challenge? Everybody's different. Everybody has a different mountain to climb. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing the Miley Cyrus song. If you know it. A couple people know it. Change how we see failure. We need to forgive ourselves. Psalm 103 verse 12 says this, as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our transgressions from us. Isaiah 118, come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow or as wool. Though they are Red as crimson, they shall be like wool. First John 1 John 1.9, almost my life verse. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Do you believe that today? 
that God has forgiven you. That he has removed your transgressions far from you. That by the anointing of his Holy Spirit, he has broken the yoke of slavery over your life. You are no longer a slave to sin. You are a new creation in Christ. You are set free by the blood of the Lamb. And you are more than a conqueror in Christ. And no failure can undo what God has done. Because of what he's done, we can forgive ourselves. Tell your neighbor, shake it off. And I'm not talking about Taylor Taylor Swift. Okay? Shake it off. Shake it off the failure. Some of you need to do a little shake. Okay? Go ahead. Shake it off. I can't shake either, Pastor. Don't worry about it. Amen. Amen. There's a, a, a wonderful um, poem called A New Leaf that uh, was compiled by James Lawson, uh, but it's anonymous author, and I heard it first listening to Ravi Zacharias. It says this, he came to my desk with a quivering lip. The lesson was done. Have you a new sheet for me, dear teacher? I've spoiled this one. I took his sheet, all spoiled and blotted, and gave him a new one, all unspotted, and into his tired heart I cried, do better now, my child. I went, came to the throne with a trembling heart. The day was done. Have you a new day for me, master? I've spoiled this one. He took my day, all soiled and blotted, and gave me a new one, all unspotted, and into my tired heart he cried, do better now, my child. Do not leave this place without a profound sense in the grace and mercies of God over your life. And that whatever the enemy wants to throw in your face about your past, God has dealt with it at the cross. He's nailed it to the cross. And if that was only what he did, that would still be marvelous. But he didn't just stay in the grave. He rose again that you and I could have new life. What are we called to do then in these commitments? We stop making excuses. We decide. We change how we see difficulty and failure. We forgive ourselves. And fifth and finally, we persevere. To call the band back. What separates those who see change come to pass in their lives is greatly determined by those who simply refuse to give up. Hold on. Don't give up. In his book, The Difference Maker, John Maxwell, love John Maxwell, he quotes this saying, Pastor mentioned it a few weeks back. He says, you cannot go back and make a brand new start, my friend, but anyone can start from now and make a brand new end. Would you stand? You can't change how things may have begun. But you can start afresh today and see a brand new end. The year is just getting started.
It's a year of new beginnings. It's a year of change. It's a year of deliverance. It's a year of transformation. It's a year of seeing the faithfulness of God and the power of His Holy Spirit rest in our lives to such a degree that it not only transforms us, but it transforms our spheres of influence, our friends, our family, our colleagues, our workplaces, our community, our city, for the glory of His name. Believe with me that God can do it. He can bring a new beginning regardless of the circumstance. His arm is not so short that he cannot reach down to save. There's power in the blood still today. Do you remember King David? He had so many victories. He killed Goliath. He took Goliath's sword. Then he went off and he used the sword to win other victories. But David also knew failure. Lied. He cheated. Committed adultery. He murdered. He conspired. There's one great author that goes through the heir of David and says that he actually broke all Ten Commandments in one shot. So the prophet of God is sent to the king. And by way of bringing a story and a narrative to his mind, the king was convicted of his sin. And he repented. And asked God to give him a clean heart and a fresh start and a new beginning and to restore the joy of his salvation and to not let the Spirit of God pass from him. Surely God can work in your life and in my life by his grace. The story is there for us. That regardless of how badly we've fallen or failed, there is a Savior, and his name is Jesus. God is near to the brokenhearted. And a broken and contrite spirit, the Lord doesn't take lightly. He doesn't take lightly the brokenness of your heart, the contrition in your heart. He values it. And has allowed these situations to come to pass to bring an understanding of our great need for Him so that we could lean on Him, as Pastor said, with all of our understanding, we acknowledge Him so that He can direct us. If you want to know the difference between knowledge and wisdom, stop making excuses. Take radical responsibility. Change how we see difficulty and the nature of the challenges we face. Change how we see failure. Forgive. understand the will of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, help us begin anew.